Hey, I want to welcome you to another episode of the Mission Matters Marketing Podcast, your source for all things marketing. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at Ask Adam Torres. Keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, signings, all that other good stuff. Always love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, missionmatters.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today I have Matt Bruin on the line, and he works over at, in Branded Content Partnerships at FameBit by YouTube. Uh, Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on, and I want to get into what you're doing over at FameBit and the acquisition, um, but before we do that, let's get a little bit further into your background. So how did you get started in your career and in business? So I started in when I was 19 year old, years old working in startups, and a buddy of mine, a little bit older, got a job working at a startup in San Francisco, kind of at the very end of the dot-com bubble. So it was kind of, I got in like pretty much a year before everything imploded. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a totally wild experience to be like a 19, 20-year-old. I was working for a company called Neomar. I went from 20 to 100 people, back down to 20 people, and then um, out of business pretty fast. However, just the the dynamics, the environment, the excitement, and the the possibility of the stock options and seeing what was happening, it just it never dampened my spirits. And I decided after that, like I just wanted to continue pursuing startups. And so, you know, I went back to college. After that, I came out again. I started working for Sonos when they were super super early stage, like you know, 40 people shipping product to market. And then I've just been with startups ever since, really up until our acquisition a couple years ago. Man, um, what an amazing story! And you know, there's some there's some younger audience. Maybe they're just getting started out there, just graduating college, and they're listening to this right now. And they're thinking, you know, go big, you know, big company or startup. You know, there's there are pros and cons to both. But I will ask you, what do you think some of the benefits of going to uh, um, going the startup route right out of college are, just from your experience? Well, I think the number one benefit is you get to do a lot of things that you can't do if you go work for a big company. So it exposes you to to just this massive world where you're wearing a lot of hats. You get to grow really fast as a person. But also when you're young, you don't have a mortgage payment and, and a car payment and, and all these like financial burdens you have to you have to take care of. And so I think like when you're young is absolutely the best time to go out and take all those risks because even if you know start at 21, by the time you're 30, you can start over again if you needed to. Um, I'm almost 40 and it's, it's a lot harder to do that now. Man, I love that. I think that's great advice. Um, let's uh, let's switch it up. I do want to get into FameBit, the acquisition, um, all, all the good stuff you're doing over there. Where do you want to begin? So I can talk a little bit about uh, FameBit, how we started, how we got acquired, and, and what's happening in the market, if that sounds good to you. That's awesome. Cool. So uh, I joined FameBit super early stage. It was the two founders. I was the second employee in the company, and I joined to um, to run sales. And essentially, like, what they were doing was disrupting the branded content market at the time. So if you rewind back to like 2014 when the multi-channel networks uh, were really powerful companies like Maker and Fullscreen. Mm-hmm. The YouTube content creator ecosystem was pretty fragmented, and it was really focused on the top talent in the space. So this is partnerships with YouTube, brands partnering with YouTube content creators that have their own audiences, and those creators producing content on their channels 
for the brand to help promote that brand to their built-in audience. And so essentially mm-hmm. partnering with like the new generation of celebrities. And if you go back in time, the MCNs were signing talent into their networks and we built an open marketplace platform to disrupt that where we said, hey, like any YouTuber can join for free, any brand can join for free and they can collaborate with each other for the creation of this content. And that business model scaled incredibly fast. And what happened was like a lot of these small creators realized like, hey, like this is a way for me to make money because if you're a smaller YouTube channel with 100,000 or 200,000 followers, which is not even small by any means, but if you look at the revenue that you make from like your ads, mm-hmm. it's really nothing. So a lot of these creators, they want to pursue content creation full time. And so partnering with brands on average, if the creator partners with a brand, like a lot of them will double their annual income just by partnering with a few brands throughout the year. And so, man, I I, lo- I loved it. I love the model. I love the thought process because I mean, two two things came from that. Number one, that whole the whole open source idea, the um, all of that, like allowing the more hours they could spend by giving them a real living and allowing them to collaborate. Um, it's just win win. The brands win. The creator wins. The consumer of content wins because um, the quality of content also goes up. Man, I just I just love the story. Um, keep going, please. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So we uh, when I joined, it was. I was the second employee in the company. We went from, you know, basically zero revenue to double-digit millions in in a couple of years. Like, I think from the beginning, we were kind of like, we knew that something big was happening. Mm. A lot of companies say, like, how do you know when you have traction in the market if you're a startup? Like, this was very obvious. Like, I went out and started <laughs> selling the product. And I think in my first year of selling, I did our first month of selling, I closed like $300,000 worth of deals. And, and, <laughs> and I was amazing. like, okay, so, so this is real. Um, this is scaling. And so it was, it was crazy. And we scaled so fast. And then Google came, they actually came knocking at the door. And, and more of like a partnerships way. They're like, hey, we want to partner with you. Fill out all this documentation about who you are. Um, so we filled all this out, and then they're like, oh, we actually kind of want to buy your company. And then um, we started those discussions, and our investor actually scared them away. So I don't know what numbers they threw out. I wasn't part of that discussion, but they left. And so then we were like super depressed because we're like, oh, my gosh, we just had the opportunity to get bought by Google, and we like blew it. Um, and then they came back like a month or two later. I think they went and looked at our competitors and realized like we had the best platform out there. Um, and when we had created like 30,000 sponsored videos at this point. And so wow. we went through the acquisition, uh, which takes like, if you've ever been through an acquisition or you've never been through one, it takes a really long time. Like from the point at which the acquisition started was April and then it actually closed in, in October and the big challenge was we had a 20-person company at the time, which is not a lot of people. Only like a handful of us actually knew that the acquisition was happening because I, ha- I had to be involved in it because my, my team signed all the contracts mm-hmm. and we also modeled all the revenue for Google. So Google would come to us and say, hey, like we've, if we give you a bunch of leads, what will happen to your business? And also we, they need to read through all the deals that you signed and make sure that you didn't sign anything crazy and they're not buying a landmine of legal risk. Yeah, And so I was involved with it, but the rest of the team, they didn't know what was happening. And so they were really confused because we're constantly going in these weird, like, closed-door meetings. And then on top of that, I couldn't tell anyone. So I couldn't tell my family, um, and I couldn't tell my friends. And so I'm just like, you know, it's like this nine-month period where you're like, don't want to talk to anyone because you're like, hey, what's going on with you? It's like, <laughs> nothing, know, nothing. Nothing. Just making some sales. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. So um, the integration took a – it takes a really long time. Mm-hmm. And just – I've worked at Google for like three and a half years now, and just working at Google, it's, it takes a really long time to figure out how Google functions as a business because, I mean, it's a really complicated organization. But the really cool mm-hmm. thing is that YouTube understands the importance of what we're doing, obviously because they own the platform. And I think they're in such a unique position where because we are YouTube, we can really look out for what is best for all three sides of, of the platform, the viewers, the YouTubers themselves, and the brands, and try to make this a better system for everyone. And so what we're bringing to the table now is really advanced audience, audience insights and measurements. And so when we work with brands, we can say, these are the types of influencers and types of content that your target audience is watching, and here's how we can integrate into them, and then here's how we can measure it so we can show you how this is delivering against your business objectives and your KPIs. Mm. So let's um, – what an amazing story, first off. Um, thank you for sharing that. Um, let's, uh, let's get a little bit more into FameBit for those that are listening that are not um, familiar. So just let's go a layer deeper. So now it's been acquired by YouTube, obviously, as you mentioned. Um, so, so what's next for FameBit? Well, I think the really the big thing we've been trying to figure out is how do we convince advertisers to trust the data that we're showing them? Because what we found is a lot of advertisers, when they're working with content creators, mm-hmm. they become really focused on the visual aspect, like the look and feel of the influencer themselves, their channel, Etc. and not focusing so much on the science behind it, the data. And we, we're really leaning in hard to that, just to say. And what we found is the brands that say, like, okay, we're going to give you some control, release the reins, and let you drive us to the, the creators that will make sense for us based on the science behind who's actually watching the content. Those are the mm. brands that have been a lot more successful and have been able to, like, continue to scale this channel. Man, that makes a lot of sense. Um, that, that makes a lot of sense because also the um, the create for the creators themselves. Um, I mean, they want they will obviously need the autonomy and they want to be able to, or else they won't be creative, right? They have to have to be able to make videos they want to make or that interests them. Because if they don't, then their audience will fall off. They'll fall off. I mean, the whole burnout thing. I mean, it's a thing <laughs> for people listening. It is a thing. Um, so no, I love I love that thought process, and I see where it's going next. Um, so you know, a lot of business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of executives listening. Um, what are the type, the right type of uh, advertisers to, to be on to be on same bit in terms of size of company is it only enterprise is it middle market is there also like a small business market there to work with influencers like give us a feel for that for some of the people listening it's a great question it's kind of two parts so we really focus on at least my team focuses on gaming and tech b2b brands however we have different business units that focus on all the different verticals that you could think of, ranging from you know right. retail to travel to beauty to fashion. And I would say most of the business right now is coming from like the top advertisers with Google. Mm. Those are a lot of the advertisers we're leaning in heavily with because we did things like, um, you can actually Google it, we did like a Mac AR try-on where you could while you're watching the influencer video, the viewers can actually like, try on the lipstick in the video with the correct shade that the product comes in virtually using their phones. Wow. So that's kind of like the, the one hand is the top sort of 5% of advertisers. because That's, that's exciting, of, by the way. That's exciting stuff. <laughs> that's pretty cool, right? 
And then yeah. on the long tail, the, the self-service platform really focuses on the long tail. So it's a lot of the smaller brands mm. that are more like the self-service brands with Google generally that are, that are not receiving like direct uh, managed support from the team at Google. And, and frankly, we don't really right now have a great solution for the middle market. Mm. Got it. So, but, but I guess between the two, it's kind of, you're, you're kind of covering the gambit and uh, middle market has yet to be determined based on, and obviously, I mean, this is pretty common. So the trickle down, right? So the big, the big advertisers kind of prove the model. That's where all the money's at. Then the, the, obviously the lower end, or I shouldn't say the lower end, but the smaller businesses have the self-serve. And then over time, the products develop to where there's some middle market solution for people that aren't quite enterprise, but they need a, they, they can afford to and have the budgets for a little bit more than, um, than uh, self-serve. So no, I love it. I love the model. I love what it's doing for the creators. Um, for Google, I mean, like I said, it's a, it's a win-win-win situation. I love it across the board. Um, so Matt, if, um, if somebody's listening to this and they want to learn more about uh, FameBig or to connect, I mean, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, to learn more about FameBig, go to our website at famebit.com. Um, and I also, if they're interested in, in learning more about me, I have my own blog, which is just my name. It's, it's mattbruin.com. I actually launched it last month, and it's all about, like, startups and entrepreneurship. Oh, fantastic. Um, so that's, uh, again, mattbruin.com. That's B-R-U-E-N. Definitely go check that out. Um, well, hey, Matt, really appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing more about your background and, and startups and all the great work you're doing over at FameBit to, to, um, to create these win-win situations. And uh, to the audience, as always, thank you for tuning in. Hope you got a lot of value out of this. Hope you had some fun listening because we had fun making this for you. If you did, don't forget, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, um, Matters Marketing, definitely uh, give us a subscribe there, but also uh, leave us some comments on the video. Love to keep the conversation going and take it over to the YouTube uh, community. And uh, Matt, thanks again for coming on the show.